Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. In right now, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. How are you? I'm good. I almost had to put my pickup in low gear to fight the wind coming out Is it here. Is that bad? Oh, it's blowing, but uh, it'll blow me home, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, who have you got to thank this week? You know, I forgot to check my emails, uh, but I will check and I will uh, thank some people next week. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure that you've got something that's going to be really good this morning. Well, I hope so. Okay. So let me ask you this, Zeb. Have you ever heard of Chief Ye- or Yellow Wolf? Have you ever heard of him? I've heard of the Chief Yellow Hair, but okay. not no, Yellow, Yellow Wolf. Wolf. Okay. Uh, not well known, but but uh, I'm going to talk about... Uh, so here, uh, Yellow Wolf uh, sat down with a reporter, a guy by the name of McCorder, to relate his story of the 1877 Nez Perce War. Oh. Now, some questioned his motives, but Yellow Wolf himself said, quote, I am telling my story that all may know the war we did not want. And his account is one of the few from the Nez Perce who took part in that epic flight to the West. Really? How many miles was that? Oh, gosh. I mean, they went here and there, up north and then south and then clear up to To the Canadian border, right? Yeah, so uh, miles, I I don't know. But anyway, he was a member of the band that followed Chief Joseph. Yellow Wolf was a top warrior when the tribe found itself. So he's not a chief. He's just a warrior. I see. Uh, But uh, he was a top warrior when the tribe found itself in flight and under attack by uh, General Oliver Howard. And he is actually a first cousin to Chief Joseph. Hmm. But in his account, Yellow Wolf uses the term uncle to refer to Chief Joseph. Uh, And Chief Joseph was the peace chief, you know. He became the symbol for the Nez Perce during all this that was going on. How well educated were some of these Indians, being that they were, some of them, schooled by the white missionaries, right? right? Some of them uh, were very well educated. Uh, Spoke some of them almost perfect English. Really? Yeah. But, uh, so... Their blood ties meant that uh, even though they were cousins, he often referred to Chief Joseph as uncle. And oftentimes uh, uh, he would actually share a lodge with Chief Joseph and his family whenever he was traveling. But he was born in the Wallowa Valley of northeast Oregon. Uh, Yellow Wolf traveled eastward as a young man with other warriors. They hunted buffalo and game in the area around Yellowstone National Park. And he said, quote, we had a good country until the white people came and crowded us. Mm. Which, you know, it's yeah. true. Yeah. Well, in 1863, the Nez Perce uh, people gathered in council with representatives of the United States government to try to work out an agreement that would stop the march of the white settlers, the miners, onto their land. Well, the council document, which became known as, I don't know why, but they called it the Thief Treaty, uh, led to the permanent fracturing of the Nez Perce power. Well, in 1877, Chief Joseph had become the chief of the Wallowa Band, but there were other important leaders who took part in council uh, ordered by General Howard, and they included Chief Olicott, and you've probably heard of him, Chief Joseph's brother, mm-hmm. uh, and he was actually the recognized war chief of the band, and Joseph was kind of the peace chief, if you want to call it. Who had more power? That's a good question. I, th- I think 
the people followed who they wanted to follow. Really? Whether it was the war chief or the people. Because chief. we always hear just Chief Joseph. Right, right. Yeah. But Olakot was his uh, his brother. And there was Whitebird, Chief Whitebird, Tuhulazot, and Looking Glass. You've heard of him. Uh, Yellow Wolf later said, quote, To all of us, General Howard now spoke. If you do not mind me, I will make my sol- take my soldiers and drive you on the reservation. Really? No, no question that yeah. he was going to force them. Well, of course, the Nez Perce tribes who had not signed the treaty resisted, but with more pressure on them in late May of 1877, they left their home valleys and took their families into Idaho, and they were gathered in an area south of the planned reservation uh, lands at Lapway, and trying to maintain their freedom and establish a way to avoid following the dictates of the agent when some young men took matters into their own hands. One of them, his father, had been killed by the whites. Mm-hmm. And so they retaliated by killing some white settlers. Mm-hmm. That's what, you know, it went back and eye forth. Eye for an eye. Yeah, like that. Well, that was kind of the tipping point uh, because the military now set out to force the Nez Perce people onto the reservation. Well, the opening attack by military troops on Nez Perce families took place at White Bird Canyon in 1877. Uh, now, White Bird Canyon, Zeb, is up by Grangeville for right. people that may right. not know. That's up kind of north Idaho, uh, up that direction. Anyway, beautiful, beautiful area. It is, it is. Uh, Yellow Wolf uh, said, we were not expecting war with the whites. In the White Bird Canyon fight, Yellow Wolf said he, quote, ran to strike one soldier with my bow. I leaped and struck him as he put a cartridge to his gun. I grabbed the gun and shoved hard. The soldier went over backward, but he was not hurt. I wrenched the gun from him, and sometime a warrior back of me killed him. Oh. Now, uh, at the time, Looking Glass and the families who followed him were not with Chief Joseph and the larger group of Indians. They were actually over in central Idaho, where a different group of soldiers found and attacked their camp, burning a bunch of their supplies. Well, this unprovoked onslaught led uh, Looking Glass to join forces with the other bands. So this added strength and numbers to this already somewhat powerful group. I've got to do a quick commercial for Burley Vet, but okay. really, what were the Indians doing that was so wrong and so obtrusive to the cavalry that they, they had to move them? They really had not done anything. They were trying to protect their land. Yeah. And so if they got killed, they retaliated right. by killing some whites. So... Let me jump in for 30 seconds and say, don't forget, Dr. History is brought to you by Burley Veterinary Hospital. Dr. Scott Morley and his very friendly and knowledgeable staff at Burley Veterinary Hospital, they can take care of all your large and small animal needs. Don't forget, too, they offer ambulatory services for large animals and offer after-hour care for all emergencies. They are your family veterinarian, and they'd love to help serve your animals, and they're located at 2869 Overland in Burley, Burley Veterinary Hospital, 6785509. Okay, so this battle had taken place uh, with Looking Glass, all right? And Looking Glass, uh, uh, with Looking Glass, was Yellow Wolf's mother. And she had actually saved his rifle during the attack. So was able to get it to him. So here's what he said, quote, I was glad to see my rifle. My parents had brought it uh, for me with one good horse. I now had my own 16-shot rifle for the rest of the war. 
Now, still attempting to avoid direct fighting with the troops that uh, massed against them, the Nez Perce people moved toward the Clearwater River. And so for you folks that may not know, that's also up by Grangeville, up in that area, Mm -hmm. northern Idaho. Um, They were actually just racing horses on July 11th when the troops once again attacked in a battle that lasted two days. Oh, my. Yellow Wolf uh, said, uh, as the fighting began, quote, he jumped on my horse and galloped down the hill. He saw spurts of dust where bullets struck the earth near him. So he, quote, whipped my horse for all in him. Though being shot at, Yellow Wolf said he recalled the instruction of his uncle, Old Yellow Wolf, quote, if you go to war and get shot, do not cry. Really? The attack led to the destruction of the Indian lodges, their possessions. Those not destroyed were abandoned as the tribe fled east, and they headed into the mountains, crossing the Lolo Pass. Mm-hmm. Now, folks, I mentioned the Clearwater River. One of the tributaries of the tribute of the Clearwater is the Locksaw River, right? And that's where the Lolo Pass goes over into Montana. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been up there, Zach, I on have. the Locksaw? I have. Yeah. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards, greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Um, anyway, they skirted around troops that moved in from Montana and set up a barrier in the canyon and ultimately dropped into the Bitterroot Valley of western Montana. Now they believed they had escaped. Um, they thought they had gotten away, but the troops kept after them. Uh, Did they have a chance to take uh, the tribe, per se, the men, the women, the children, the old, etc.? You mean the the Indians that yeah. were escaping? Yeah. Yeah, they took as many as they could with them. And that's, that's why the troopers were able to catch up with them a lot of times, because they took everybody with them. Yeah. So now they traveled south into the Big Hole Valley, uh, which is in uh, Montana. There's a town, I guess, a small town called Wisdom, Montana. Yes, uh, I know that very well. Okay. Yep. Um, anyway, on the morning of uh, August 9th, 1877, Yellow Wolf was in a lodge at the lower end of the camp when soldiers under the command of Colonel John Gibbon attacked Yellow Wolf did not have his rifle with him, but when he heard the gunfire, he said he, quote, grabbed my moccasins and with the others ran out of the teepee. I had only my war club. Once outside, a younger boy gave Yellow Wolf a gun, but it only had one shell. As he entered the fight, he came upon a wounded soldier who had a gun and a belt full of cartridges. And he says, quote, I struck him with my war club and took his government rifle and ammunition belt. I now had a gun and plenty of shells. Hmm. Um, the battle at the Big Hole was a tough blow to the Nez Perce, uh, with many injured and killed. And as the young men like Yellow Wolf fought and held the soldiers at bay, the families, under direction of Chief Joseph, fled south. So that answers kind of your question. Yeah, but it doesn't sound to me like the uh, member of the, or any members of the United States Army tried to make any allowance to try to sit down and solve this in a peaceful fashion. It doesn't. I mean, it's like they had orders and it was to get them on the reservation. So attack, wipe them out, whatever you have to do. So, what year was this? Eighteen seventy-seven. Eighteen seventy-seven. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, you know, and I, I, I have a daughter up in Coeur d'Alene, so we tr- 
travel that route through Montana, right. and they have signs that talk about the Battle of the Big Hole. And every time I go past that, I just vision the Indians and the cavalry and uh, uh, Chief Joseph uh, and whatever he could take with him fl uh, fleeing south, yeah. you know. But anyway, after the big hole and after the, for the next uh, weeks, the people traveled across western Montana. They actually swung south into part of Idaho a little ways. Mm -hmm. um, and in late August, the Nez Perce crossed into Yellowstone National Park by following the Madison River. They actually took a tourist party captive for a few days and forced one of the men uh, with a party to guide them through the park. Now, that kind of surprised me a little because evidently they may not have been that familiar with the with Yellowstone. Park. Well, they were from over on the western side of the state. Yeah, and going and through in, Yellowstone must have been a new, completely new venture for it them. It probably was because they were over in uh, western Washington. Yeah, yeah. and that's where yeah. they where they lived. But anyway, the Nez Perce families reached the Yellowstone River. They crossed through Pelican Valley and then followed the Lamar River out of the park to the Clark's Fork River. They passed near uh, today's Bridger, Montana. Mm -hmm. They turned north again, then headed across Montana. And at this point, they wanted to join Sitting Bull and his followers. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, and they'd fled to Canada. So they were uh, Sitting Bull was already up in Canada. And this was, of course, following the Lakota victory at Little Bighorn yeah. the previous year. Yeah. So that's where Sitting Bull was. Well, by late September, and you know, now it's starting to get cold up in Montana. They reached the Bear Paw area, and they're only 40 miles from the Canadian border. Well, and that's near the present town of Chinook, Montana. Mm -hmm. My dad was born up there, and he tells of the terrible cold, it cold, is bitter cold. winters. Yes, yes. But uh, they believed that they'd outrun General Howard, and they figured they were close. They would soon cross in to Canada. Uh, so uh, they'd be able to get to a sitting bull where they could figure out what they were going to do. But the Army had organized a new command led by Colonel Nelson Miles, and he came up from the southeast and intercepted the Nez Perce at Bear Paw, mm -hmm. 40 miles from the border. Well, there was a five-day battle, and the siege led to the death of the Nez Perce leaders, Olicott, Looking Glass, Tehulazot. Well, so these are the, the main chiefs. Right. You know. uh, the soldiers captured Chief Joseph, but they released him when Nez Perce tribesmen took soldiers as captives. And as the weather turned colder, the food supply was, you know, was dwindling. Uh, Chief Joseph made the decision to surrender his rifle in order to save the old people um, and, you know, try to save what he could, uh, save the children. What in the world did they have to eat? You know, Zeb, when it gets to that point, is so cold. I don't think there's much wild game. They would be eating their dogs. Oh my! Maybe goodness. even horses. Yeah. You know they're they're starving. Well, White Bird, many of his followers, including Chief Joseph's own 12-year-old daughter, actually fled north and actually reached Canada. But Joseph and those that were most loyal to him, including Yellow Wolf, surrendered. So some of them did make it across the border. So his own daughter, Joseph's own daughter, went to Canada? Right. She made it over the border. Oh. Yeah. So he said uh, they were forced marched to Fort Keogh on the Yellowstone River. And now, whereabouts is that? Oh, gosh. Is that over fairly close to the Custer Battlefield? I'm thinking it's more east. 
I but I, I'm not exactly sure because the Yellowstone River flows all through there. Right. And Fort Keogh, right. I think, is more eastern uh, Montana. I see. I, I believe. But, uh, you know, this was a forced march. Again, it's wintertime. In the wintertime. And they don't have the food and, and probably not much yeah. clothing, you know, their tents and one thing or another. But uh, many of them died before they were ultimately finally allowed to return to the Pacific Northwest. They finally let them go back. But it was back to the reservation. In, the, in, in uh, the eastern Washington. Right. Yeah. Well, Yellow Wolf traveled by train with Chief Joseph and other members of the Chief Joseph Band to settle on the Colville Reservation in eastern Washington. Okay. Where, and this is where he met with this uh, guy named McCorder to be able to tell his story. And it was recorded. Holy but uh, he actually died. He must have been a pretty young man because he didn't die until 1935. And he is actually buried in a small cemetery, the same small cemetery where Chief Joseph is buried, uh, who died in 1904. I still go back, and maybe I'm missing something here, but I still go back to the fact that with some arbitration and sitting down and discussing, this whole trek and waste could have been avoided. You know, Zeb, uh, as I've you know, read of the different military people, there were some that had no tolerance Howard. for the Indians. Yeah. Colonel Patrick Connor, uh, uh, the, the uh, battle at uh, Bear River right. that, you right. know, that took place there. Uh, there, was, there was sometimes no talking. Do you get the feeling studying some of these stories, etc., that they were looking at it as purely a way to advance their name and their rank? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, I've also told stories of some of the Indian agents that were very good. They were honest. They made sure that people got the food, the clothing that they needed. Uh, on the other hand, we have some Indian agents that were uh, selling yeah. selling the goods that were supposed to go to the Indians on the black market, wow. making money, and the Indians were starving to death. Yeah. So... That is an amazing story. Are you done? I am. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that, I didn't think anybody or very few people had heard of Yellow Wolf. Folks, if you've heard of him and know a little more about this story, let me know. Well, well, let me know about the daughter that left and went to Canada. Now, was she later able to rejoin her family or not? That's a good question, and I don't know that. You know, it's been about three or four years ago. I did a three-part series on Chief Joseph. I remember that. Three, it took me three uh, sessions to tell that whole story and I'll have to go back and look at that because it may talk about his daughter. Now didn't he have a son also uh, that was on that trek? I believe so. Chief Joseph. I believe he did. Yes. Now, I, if this was in the 1870s, and you said one of the Indians died in 1935? Yeah, Yellow Wolf. Well, Yellow Wolf. So he now, must have been about, just a young What man. about his descendants? i got a minute left here. What about his descendants that no possibly could be his, traced? I have no idea about his descendants. But they went back to that reservation there could still be Indians, uh, relatives of his. I wonder on if that we could pursue that somehow and get someone connected to a family that could come on the air and discuss oh, that. Oh, that would be great, especially if, if we knew about the daughter yeah. and son. You know, what happened to them? Right. I'm sure there's descendants. There's got to be. So There you go. Detective Turner on the loose. <laughs> on, on the job. There you go. Thanks, buddy. You bet.